Hello, everyone. My name is Dee, and you are listening to Teaching Journey Podcast, Connecting Through Early Education. This is episode one, and I had a chat with Victoria Kennedy, who is an amazing, amazing friend and a professional colleague. She completely is a passionate, driven, motivational, and also inspiring teacher. One thing that I am personally in awe of Victoria is her ability to deeply self-reflect. And it is such a powerful tool for anyone, be it you're in the education sector or not, because I think as a person, it's so important to really unpack your own vulnerability and to be able to grow from that. Um, Brene Brown talks a lot about braving your own truth. And one of the things that she says, quote and unquote, when you shut down vulnerability, you shut down opportunities. So speaking of vulnerability, just to share a little bit, when I was listening to this recording for editing, it was actually really uncomfortable for me, mainly because generally I don't listen to myself speak, so itself feels really weird. Um, and then I'm popping out this little accent, which is like, hang on, where does that even come from? <laughs> but also the mainly the oohs and the ahs and the you knows. I actually honestly didn't realize how much of you knows that I actually say in conversations. Um, and I had my little imposture whispering to my little ear, saying that, D, you're not good enough. D, this is not great. You do not sound professional. No one's ever going to be listening in. Everyone's going to be tuning out. You are such a failure. And listening to what Victoria was saying about dwelling on mistakes, and that was exactly what I was doing. I was actually putting myself down. It was just all me. Um, and I reminded myself to focus on the intention of this podcast. I actually had to stop and walk away a little bit and just really think about my why. Why did I actually start this podcast? And part of the reason, one of the reasons is actually um, to reignite the flame in our sector. Um, but also I'm a firm believer that we learn from others and that I really actually enjoy talking to people about their journey because it gives me the ability to reflect on myself and learn from it. So instead of dwelling, I'm going to say congratulations to myself. This is my first time ever doing a recording. Um, I've done something uncomfortable, um, something that is unfamiliar, um, and I'm actually really, really proud of it. So I hope that people who are listening in um, enjoy the conversation that we have. Um, because I'm enjoying myself, and that's important, right? So here you go, our first episode with Victoria Kennedy at its finest. Hope you enjoy. I'm really excited that you're here with us, Victoria, because we're not only kickstarting our Teaching Journey podcast, but also we have worked together for a number of years now. You're an amazing friend, a professional colleague, and also my daughter's kindergarten teacher. So I'm really biased, but I'm really, really excited um, to have you here. And for those who are listening, Victoria and I work in a small community co-op early learning center, a beautiful, wonderful space. Um, but welcome, and thank you for being our first guest on our podcast. Thank you, I'm excited too. Um, so I've known you for many, many years, and back in the day where I used to teach, you were my student. Um, and over the years, we had an amazing opportunity to work together in the kindergarten room. And we often reminisce about that year because it was just two of us, probably just about, you know, 20, 25 children in the room. And back in the day where the ratio was 1 to 15, 
it was so fluid, so organic. And because not only it's great to be working in a small team, but also when you work alongside with someone who has similar pedagogy, who understands you, you know, who have that really strong foundational trust. Um, it's amazing how much growth both professionally and personally we both achieve in a short period of time. Um, so it's definitely something that I still think about and I still look back and, you know, the journey that we had, even though it was just for a year, but it was yeah. still an amazing year. Um, and I like to think that it was like a dance, you know, where you don't really need to talk to each other all day. There's this unspoken, fluid, mm. magical movement that happens in the room. And it's so important because the children could see that dynamic. And not only it's fantastic for mental health, because we enjoy coming to work, um, but importantly, yeah. the children, you know, the children benefiting from the environment that is positive, nourishing, respectful, and just really full of joy. Um, and all of that has a really massive impact for their development identity and how they construct their understanding of the world. And we know all of that. There's a lot of research um, that comes with that. Yeah. Um, and perhaps we can talk a little bit more about that later. But, mm -hmm. you know, just going back into your journey, we'll work together in the kinder room. And at some point, you were leading the toddler's room for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. um, and you have a passion for the outdoor education. And you could see gaps in our curriculum. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the focus around risk-taking or just being with nature. You know, simplifying the outdoor space. And that passion led you to be an outdoor educator for a number of years. Mm -hmm. um, you were also part of our leadership team and have stepped into a 3IC role supporting management and direction in the center for many years mm -hmm. now. And now you've completed your bachelor's yeah. and are a fully registered teacher leading your own kindergarten room. Mm -hmm. So congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and I consider myself really lucky because I have the privilege to see that growth in your transition um, into the different roles, uh, through your challenges, through your triumphs, um, but also just you know thinking back for you, stepping back and listening about that journey. How do you feel? And you know, what's the one thing that stands out for you right now? Yeah, that was such a good um, summer. <laughs> um, I feel the same, and it's it's really rare to find someone um, that's a mentor that you can work with in that way. Like you said, it's like a well choreographed dance, and the children can feel it. I think that has been such a huge part because that was the foundation of my journey as a teacher. That's where I started. I was still doing my diploma back yes. then yeah um so i got to study while working with you in the kindergarten room yeah. and everything that i've learned since then has come from from that place um and i don't know if i've ever had a teacher that i've worked with that's been like you again and i think that's why we always yeah. look back at that because we probably didn't realize how lucky yeah. we were at the time um, and we talk about it quite a lot yeah um but yeah i think that was so important because you became my mentor and we've worked together ever since um so everything that I've done has really come from that. And I think that's such, if you're lucky enough to, that's such an important part of being a teacher is finding mm -hmm. a mentor or, um, you know, having a team that really supports you and backs you up, that challenges you, that's not afraid to question yeah. your practice yeah. um, and really pushes you. And that's, you know, really how I've ended up where I am now. And I think, yeah, like you said, I've moved around quite a lot in different roles, which has really um, taught me so much. Um, the most challenging year was definitely my year as the team leader in the mm. baby's room. Um, 
which I would not do again, but I loved it <laughs> and I learned so much and yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't trade it. Um, but I yeah, I loved it being a team leader in the toddler's room and now um, the I am the four-year-old teacher, but definitely my two years as the outdoor educator um, was a huge, huge part of my growth. Just really got to see what happens with children's learning and development when they're not interrupted, um, when they don't have a lot of things, they're just in nature. It just feels, I've said this a million times, um, but it just feels like everything's as it should be. Um, Their children are so focused um, and calm when they're in nature and you, you just don't see that as much in a traditional classroom as soon as you take them out into nature the learning is just so clear and obvious um so that was yeah that was a really really huge part of my journey and something that I'm still um very involved in um even though I'm not in the outdoor educator role anymore in the um, four-year-old group um but yeah we we obviously still run our tree kinder program so we spend a lot of time in nature um that's yeah, that's been been a huge part of it. Yeah, and yeah. there's a lot of shift now in mm-hmm. early childhood and also mm-hmm. primary. Mm-hmm. So take children outside. You know, you can see in primary schools they are having lessons. Yeah, you know, classroom outdoor. Mm-hmm. Um, because we know that research has said that you know sitting children down for long periods of time is not beneficial. You're not yeah. getting anywhere. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I think it's great that we're slowly moving out mm-hmm. into the outdoor classroom space. Yeah. Um, and just talking a little bit about the outdoor education i think one of the things that and you've done it for a few years and perhaps this will lead to its you know the leadership side of things Mm. but you know what are the you know the bits that you do enjoy and what are the challenges being the outdoor educator because it's such a new concept then yeah um you know that was when you know everyone was talking about outdoor education and the focus around Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. and so we and you had that passion and so we thought great you know why don't we focus on that Mm -hmm. passion and have you to do that for a couple of years, yeah. um, you know, changing and shifting our curriculum, mm-hmm. shaping it. Um, but what are the, you know, most amazing part of it, but also what are the challenges around that? Yeah. Well, I think um, probably some of the biggest challenges uh, around changing people's understandings mm-hmm. and attitudes around uh, risky play. Mm-hmm. Most people at um, our centre were very on board, but you do need to be ready to keep challenging that. Um, you know, so it's okay for children to climb a tree as high as they want, as long as they feel safe. You just need to give them the tools to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's you know it's okay for them to get really 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 messy. Um, you yeah need to really let them challenge themselves, and that will challenge you because it can be you know quite frightening sometimes and obviously there's a difference between hazards and risks and Mm -hmm. risks are really important hazards we want to eliminate um so that's a big one Mm. um and then also uh one of the biggest challenges i had was trying to strip back the Mm. outdoor space so um obviously i guess at our center our um we kind of had our outdoor space set up as an extension of the indoor 
programs. So there was a lot of um, activities on the tables, like um, tabletop activities. Um, there was a lot of But traditionally, that's and, the understanding yeah, of the yeah, outdoor education. Yeah. You know, when you go back to school, it's mm-hmm. like plan, you know, an yeah. activity indoor, plan an yes. activity outdoor. Yeah, yeah. You have to plan something outdoor. Yes. You have to put something on the table. Yeah, I remember so, being asked, why is there nothing on these yes, tables? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, but tables can be a great place to just sit and chat. Um, right. You know, you eat your lunch at the table. There doesn't have to be an activity on every table. And, we, you know, you know that you can see children um when you take things away, mm. new opportunities open up. Mm. So um, I often notice it with the sandpit when we pack it up at the end of the day mm. and it's empty. Yes. Um, all of a sudden it's used in a completely different way. And you might have noticed that um, at, at your own centres mm. that when um, a space is cleared, the children will become really, really excited and use it as a dance floor. Mm. So, and so we started to notice that take shape in the outdoor space when we Mm. took things away um, and really made it about just nature play, outdoor learning, um, gardening, a lot of gardening. Um, The children would just spend time eating food from the garden, running, climbing trees, and they really, yeah, we could see a different kind of learning taking place and they were really starting to slow down and just just became more focused. Yeah. 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 And I think one of the challenges that educators do find that when we do take activities Mm. away, resources away, children are going to run around, Mm. you know, it's that's the connotation that Mm. they're going to go crazy, they're going to run amok. Yeah. Like, but actually that's just them, you know, perhaps that's an opportunity for us to have outdoor physical, you know, games. Games, you know, yeah. is looking at things in a different perspective. Mm. And then once they've settled down, they wind down and they really be enjoying the nature and the yeah. outdoor space a lot more. Yeah. So I think it's there's a lot of that, you know, perhaps fear base yeah. Yeah. around what what am I gonna do? What sort of games am I gonna have with these yeah. children? Yeah. Um, how am I gonna lead the outdoor space? I just wanna, you know, and often mm-hmm. the outdoor space is like I just wanna go out and sit. Yeah. Um, you know, it's that concept of like there's that quiet space that I can just go out, the children are gonna run around yeah. and I can just observe and supervise in yeah. some degrees. So. Yeah, and I think there's a real kind of um, maybe misunderstanding around sometimes our roles where mm-hmm. we feel like if we're not always doing something, you know, if there's not an activity on every table, if there's not, um, you know, a game going on in every area that we're not doing our jobs. But um, I think a lot of the time when we slow down and just observe and just spend time in the moment with the children, um, that's, I, for me, those are my best days as a teacher. I know I feel like a good teacher when I'm not up in the air thinking about everything that needs to be done and, you know, trying to get every inquiry project on track. And I just stop for a day and just spend the day down with the children and slow yes. right down. You notice that, um, yeah, that, that everything feels a lot more meaningful. And I think sometimes we worry that, it, it will look like we're not doing our jobs or yes. that, you know, that if we're not busy and running around yeah. and, you know, cleaning and, and, yeah. and setting up new experiences that, that um, yeah, somehow we're not, um, we're not completing what we need to do for mm. the day. But I think, uh, yeah, for me, the, my best days are as a teacher are when I really slow down yeah. and just spend the time with the children and watch them and ask them questions mm. and slowly extend mm. on what they're, mm. what mm. they're learning. But I think that even that concept of not cleaning, not setting things up, not mm-hmm. moving around, mm. looking busy, let's mm-hmm. just say, yeah. that concept itself is really, really hard to grasp for a lot yeah. of teachers, mm-hmm. especially beginning teachers yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, I'm not doing anything. I'm not going enough. Mm-hmm. 
But, you know, just being with the children, yeah. sitting down, enjoying that conversation, mm-hmm. you know, inquiry, you know, having that wonder with them, mm-hmm. that itself is part of teaching, yeah. you know. And often we don't really, you know, really put, put on a focus on that mm-hmm. um, because, you know, you have to, you know, set up the table. You have to clean the table. Or the art table is a mess, yeah. you know, tidy things up. Yeah. But, you know, what about, you know, doing that with the children? And mm-hmm. I think that itself is an issue in our sector because I need to have a cleaning time. Yes. You know, once when the children are sleeping or, you know, having Zen time, for mm-hmm. example, I need to be cleaning. Mm-hmm. When actually you could have done that throughout the whole day yeah. with the children. And with, Zen yeah, time yeah. is a time for you to sit down with mm-hmm. the children, you know, model that, mm-hmm. you know, rest period. Because, you know, these are the things that the children are picking up from as well. Yeah, exactly. And I think I often notice on the days that I am really busy Mm. or I'm a bit up in the air, that's when I really miss important learning opportunities Mm. with the children. And I have to pull myself up because I'm maybe feeling frazzled and I've got, you know, 100 things in my head. And then I'll stop and realize, like, you know, a child just asked me, a really interesting question yes. and I said I'll help you in a minute and then that moment's lost yes. and I can't get it back correct um and and that's so much more important and I know it's hard because you do have a lot to do in a day and you have to get those things done as well of course it's I'm you know I'm not saying that you should just stop cleaning and mm. you know forget your routine transitions and um, mm. just let the day completely you know go off on its own but you can include the children in a lot of those things and you I think centre directors need to know this as well so that, you know, educators aren't feeling that pressure to always be running around busy that actually when you've stopped and you're sitting down and you might be sitting down in one place for a while, if, you know, you watch that educator and have a look at what they're really doing, Mm. are they doing something really meaningful that could Mm. have been lost if they hadn't just stopped? Mm. And yes, maybe lunch will be a little Mm. bit late or, Mm. you know, um, the nappies will get done 15 Mm. minutes later, but that's probably okay it's much more important that this this yeah. moment isn't lost yeah, yeah definitely and yeah. i think that implies similarly with documentation as well mm-hmm. you know you need to you know get the room aesthetically you know you know well and mm-hmm. nice and clean and white let's yeah. just say yeah. Yeah. um and also you need to make sure that the documentation are at par mm-hmm. that means you know have one observation or two observations that i'm hearing a lot more centers are doing now yeah. um and that really takes away from just being with the children because the more time that you spend mm-hmm. on the computer mm-hmm. um, writing those documentation is yeah. the less time that you're spending with the children yes. and often that's the the biggest issue in our sector mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. yeah yeah um which i think you know hopefully obviously we are shifting that yeah. um, concept and that yeah. really comes down from the teachers yeah. really yeah. you know educators are, are should be empowered to mm-hmm. you know voice their beliefs and opinions mm-hmm. and really a lot of research backed up mm-hmm. in terms of being with the children that you know documentation are not as important yes you know obviously you do have to have that you know learning cycle yeah. and you do need to um, make sure that it's visible mm-hmm. But, you know, what's more important, having those documentation that's clearly visible or having those meaningful connections with the children? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think there's so much misunderstanding about how much documentation we're required to Mm. complete. Um, And so if educators... Uh, are well informed about what the requirements are from a CEQA, then they can be empowered to, yeah. you know, if and especially if they are feeling pressure um, yeah. from their centre management, they can, you know, you can show this research, you can turn around and say, well, there's nothing in the regulations that says 
that I need to do mm. one observation a day on a child or, mm. you know, because that, that, that isn't. Yeah. Um, so, and yeah, and the same with the room. Like that's probably one of my biggest challenges is just the, yeah. the space. I, I yeah. you know, I am a pretty tidy person, so I want it to be neat and I'm, you know, trying to find a way to include children in that mm. and to remind them that, um, you know, they need to leave a space how they found it before they move on to the next yeah. area. But then I also will sometimes feel like I'm badgering them and I'm pulling them mm. away from something to mm. take them back to tidy up something when they might mm. have been doing something meaningful. So those kind of balances are really hard documentation and, mm. you know, ha- and having your program running mm. and, and, and making sure that the experiences are maintained and well set up is really challenging. But I think if you... Try and find that balance and you're mm. well informed about what the actual requirements are. Mm. Um, then you can back yourself up mm. when, you know, because I know that that's really common, educators and teachers being told that they need mm. to do it. And maybe that's just the procedure for your centre, but being told, you know, if you're feeling like you're working from home mm. a lot and mm. you're being taken away from the children mm. when you're not on your planning time um, to do documentation, then, you know, find out what the actual requirements are and speak to your managers about, you know, why it's important that you're not taken away during your, you know, your, your time with the children um, because really documentation can be quite simple. Yes. Um, and it doesn't have to be hugely time-consuming and children do not need portfolios that go on for days and days and days by the end of the year they just need a really clean snapshot of the child's learning and how you've extended on that and Mm -hmm. what their goals are and how they've reached them um but we get kind of muddled up and i certainly have Mm. in the past um you know felt like i've i remember years ago looking back and being like i have so much documentation for these children and i don't feel like um a lot of it is very meaningful or that it's being, you know, reflected on because I was so concerned about having enough for each child. Yeah. 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 And, you know, obviously, obviously now you're empowered Mm -hmm. by those knowledge and Mm -hmm. those expertise in terms of, you know, advocating for the children, but advocating for yourself. Yeah. What's that journey like for you? Because obviously that's not easy from the start, mm-hmm. you know, especially from, you know, being a beginning teacher, coming into a new space perhaps, mm-hmm. you know, trying to figure out your own pedagogy and, you know, um, how does that look like for you at the beginning and how is that like now for you? Mm, uh, slow. Yeah. Very, <laughs> yes. very, very slow. Um, being, I mean, obviously my journey was a little bit different to yours and many other um, ECTs, if that's mm. um, where you're coming from, because I started as a diploma qualified educator mm. and then I moved through different age groups uh, while I was studying my degree. Um, so I was learning on the job while I was at uni as well, but it was still very, very slow. And it really feels like looking back, it was just thousands of small little moments that Mm. didn't feel like I was moving forward Mm. and now that I look back I realize I was every challenging conversation every time I advocated for a child or for myself or for um, a co-worker um, it always just felt so so scary Mm. and challenging and I felt like I would never be able to do it comfortably Mm. Um, but then really really slowly over years and which I'm still completely not there I still find those Conversations really difficult, especially when we're talking about, you know, advocating for, um, mm. you know, educator rights. Um, but yeah, every time you do it, it's like a, a muscle, I guess. It just yeah. gets yeah. slightly, slightly um, easier yeah. each time. And yeah. over, over, you know, that your time as a teacher, it'll, it'll just get easier and easier. Also, um, 
uh, my work with the union helped mm-hmm. a lot. Um, it helps you, you know, um, working with the union and being a union member helps you um, understand your rights as mm. an educator, um, you know, from an employment um, perspective. But I think that empowers you as well because Definitely. the union really um, values educators mm. and teachers and um, fights really hard mm. to um, have, the, you know, that value reflected in our conditions and our mm. pay. So that's, you know, there's still a big fight ahead of us there. But that really helped, you know, and you get out there and um, get to meet other educators and teachers as well. And, you know, same in network meetings, going to network meetings yes. and just meeting. It's really, it can be kind of isolating mm. our job because most of our centres are, you know, mm. smallish. We work with a, a, a small team and mm. um, you often work with the same people for years and years and, mm. Um, don't we don't tend to get out there a lot I guess Mm. and meet the centres even the ones just down the road so getting involved in network meetings or you know through the union things like that will help you meet other teachers and educators in your area and that really helps when you're um, on your journey I guess because you hear other people's stories and you don't feel alone you know it's Mm. not just you or your centre other um, educators have the same challenges as you and they might have you know solutions or things that you know stories they can share with you that empower you or help you um, kind of yeah grow as a teacher yeah yeah, yeah. and definitely having those knowledge and those understanding mm. that actually I am in the right stand I you know should be advocating for the children yeah. advocating for myself advocating yeah. for the sector yeah. as a whole mm-hmm. um, you know and I think definitely there's something that all of us will have to go through I know I had to go through that journey as well and that you know when you get flustered getting you know you, you, you're questioning yourself I think that's basically what it is am I in the right path mm-hmm. am I you know overreacting am i you know um you know should i just go with the wave Mm. you know and you know just thinking back with those moments where you you know find those parts challenging and having to advocate for yourself and needing to go out into management perhaps or you know as a leader trying to convince or you know perhaps you know also um educate your team member what are the strategies that you do and you take in terms of, you know, that, that mindset first, mm-hmm. but also in terms of what you need to do in steps that you need to take for yourself mm-hmm. physically, mentally, and preparing yourself to, um, you know, to speak to those people? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, it is really challenging. And again, really, you know, a slow process. Mm. And I think just asking yourself the question, um, you know, does this fit with my values and is is this the right thing for the children? And if you can't answer yes, then you know that you need to speak up. Mm. Um, even though it's really hard, it's so, so important. And like I said, every time you do it, it'll become a little bit easier. Mm. Um, but, yeah, those, um, those, those conversations are just so important and educating your team members and having them educate you, um, it really really helps you grow as a teacher. But I think um, just finding, I don't know, speaking in your own words and from your own experiences, finding a way to have those conversations where you're respectful, mm. you are keeping an open mind, you really need to try and see the situation from that other person's point of view while you're having that conversation. Mm. If you come at it from a um, really, I guess, defensive or aggressive mm. point of view where you're like, I'm right, you're wrong. I need to tell you yes. this. It's it's never going to go well. You need to, no matter what the situation is, see their point of view, 
maybe it's that they've been at the center for a really 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 long time or they've mm. been in that room for a really 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 yeah. long time and they then which is a common um yeah. kind of issue that new educators come up against and they don't know how to change attitudes um so you know having that conversation really really respectfully starting out really gently and then using research to back yourself mm. up you know um well, if people oppose new ideas, then why don't we just try it? And if it doesn't work, then that's that's yeah. okay. Well, yeah. you know, we can try something else or go back to this way. But just, you know, I guess being gentle at the start um, and, yeah, really kind of being, you know, empathetic and, mm. and listening to the other mm. person because I mm. think um, it's really, really hard when there's so many passionate educators and, every, you know, people have the children's... Um, the, you know their best intentions for the children and but we're all going to be passionate about that and we're gonna mm. you know um that can become quite heated because mm. it's it's really important what mm. we're doing mm. um so yeah just i guess trying to remember to stay um mm. open-minded and and just try and put yourself in the other person's shoes while you're having those conversations mm. yeah and you know and i think that's something that we all find a challenge mm. working with people working with different personality mm-hmm. different type of pedagogy mm. um, different culture as mm-hmm. well that shapes our pedagogy yeah. um, and that can be a really really hard thing and mm. often and it's really sad to think that you know that's why a lot of you know our teachers our educators are leaving the sector perhaps you know with you know there's all of these you know, centers with different, you know, um, focuses, mm-hmm. um, you know, moving away from, you know, um, children, um, you know, and, and, and making sure that, you know, they're, they're well, you know, funded, I would say. Mm. Um, but also that, that stress that comes with, you know, putting that, you know, emphasis on, yeah, we need to make sure that parents are happy. We need to make sure that the children are clean. Mm-hmm. We need to make sure that the environment are, you know, white, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really, really sad because all of us, come in to the sector with pure intention mm-hmm. that we really enjoy children mm-hmm. we believe that they have rights and we believe that you know that these development these stages are very very important because that's going to impact later years in their life mm-hmm. um, and yet we're all bogged down by you know the relationships that we have with people mm-hmm. um, and you know and perhaps the center's you know direction as well um, and you know, and I, I and I guess you know, just it's just thinking really about that and and how that goes through in terms of as well COVID. You know, I look at COVID as a crisis to our sector at the moment because we are losing amazing educators because they're frustrated, um, and you know, a lot of the learning that happens for the past two years are you know are disjointed i would Mm. say because children are you know you know being absent and you know they're missing out on their interactions and that learning that we get in early childhood and it's so hard because you know um we want to stay motivated through this journey we want to be you know going back to our values going back to our inspiration going back to being with the children Mm -hmm. what do you think that you do in terms of keeping yourself motivated through these hard times Mm -hmm. and you know in those challenging moments because it's so hard to just pick yourself up Mm -hmm. what are the things that you do professionally and personally at home um, yeah, well, looking after your mental health is mm. really, really important. And I think a lot of that goes back to what I was saying um, earlier about slowing down. Um, mm. When you're teaching, when you're at work, um, it's okay to slow down. It's okay to have a bad day. Um, and like I said, I'll often find that if I come in and I'm, you know, a bit frazzled or anxious and up in the air and I just sit down with the children and listen. And I might have come in with, the, you know, thoughts in my head that, 
today's going to be really long for me. I'm not feeling great. Um, if I just come in, don't worry too much about the routines. Just sit with the children and mm. listen to them. I'll often find that it really, really brings me back down. So it's um, it's nice that you can look after your mental health while also kind of doing your, you know, doing your job just in a really gentle, slow mm-hmm. way. Um, but I think, yeah, in terms of looking after each other and the sector um, and staying motivated, uh, it really helps if you have supportive team mm-hmm. members, um, if you're honest with each other about, mm-hmm. you know, how you're feeling. Um, I think it really all just comes back to the children. If you you know you're feeling like you're not um, not motivated, um, which we all do sometimes, um, they really help me remember why I'm there. Mm. Um, even though it can be so busy, and sometimes you can feel undervalued because you know I, I guess that's how it feels in our sector sometimes mm. um, with where everything stands. Um, just sitting with them and remembering how grateful I am mm. to be able to work with them mm. um, and. Uh, you know to be able to work with their families but I think reminding yourself that you're there for the children um, mm. of course we want to support families as well mm. but if you know if you're feeling um, pressure to um, you know kind of please families more than do what's best for the children then just reminding yourself that your job is to do what's best for the children and you just need to practice and practice and practice again Mm. at communicating that to families and Mm. using research to um, back yourself up. Mm. Because if you, you know, have really tricky questions from parents because they, you know, for example, they want their children to learn to read and you know that, you know, this is a play-based curriculum, that's what the research suggests works for children, then, you know, just being able to communicate that to families, to back yourself up, you know, Things like I went to a um, PD once, and the OT that was presenting actually said that it's not um, it's it's it actually is not helpful for children to learn to write at a really young age because they don't have the core strength and the fine motor skills to be mm. able to do that. So when they go to school, they then have to unlearn everything they've learned right. and relearn the correct yeah. way. So things like that, just keeping yourself informed mm. um, keeps you motivated. It also helps you to back yourself up when you're being questioned by, mm. you know, by whether it's um, your management, whether it's parents, mm. um, if you're being questioned, just back yourself up. And if you don't, you're not always going to have the answers, but, you know, go and do some research afterwards. If you feel like you're doing the right thing, yeah. um, then, you know, go and chat to you know a mentor or um someone that you trust a critical friend and Mm. be able to back yourself up with Mm. research come back and just do that like yeah i guess don't give up or you know give in if that's what you really believe in and you think that you're doing the right thing for the children yeah and then just looking after your mental health looking after other people's mental health um you know if uh centers and management can can try and do that i know at dawson street um it's been a huge focus for Mm. us over the last few years especially um with you d as our um, educational leader really focusing on educators mental health so that they feel like they want to come people educators feel like they want to come to work or if they Mm. you know they have a job is so full-on if someone needs to go Mm. for 10 minutes meditation or go for a walk like you know kind of trying to have the um space to do that but i guess that's easier said than done because in a lot of centers where you know running under roofline ratios um 
educators cannot leave the room to go to the toilet and it sometimes sounds a bit um ingenuous to talk about meditation and mental health when Mm. um that's where it starts isn't it you know educators need better working conditions if they don't have the conditions they need Mm. um that's you know then that's where a lot of the mental health problems i think Mm. come for it come from in our sector is that um yeah educators aren't being well looked after Mm. and so um people are leaving yeah but um yeah being self-motivated is really important as well um you you need to know why you're doing this job if you're in the right job if you love it if you're passionate then you know finding a way to um dip into that well i guess of motivation each week um i you know i love pinterest that's like really motivating me just looking at what other other educators are doing i always i can be feeling kind of you know uninspired and Mm. a quick scroll through Mm. there i'm like oh my Mm. god or you know reading um Mm. posts on um facebook Mm. uh groups early childhood facebook groups where educators are talking about you know what they've um just what they've been up to or asking really thought-provoking questions and you know a lot of great educators jumping in and helping them out that kind of stuff i find really inspiring and again that's why networks are really important like you know joining together and backing each other up and yeah um i think that's you know that's the way those are some of the ways to stay motivated yeah definitely and i think you know it's really thinking about what we need to do what i need Mm. in terms of you know you know areas of growth essentially because you know how are we going to learn um for us to get better if we don't have the right support system around Mm -hmm. you know and there's a lot of facebook around pinterest like you said reaching out to people lots of networks Mm -hmm. um you know and you know maybe looking back into your you know local council in terms of what early childhood network you know um support group that they have Mm -hmm. because there's plenty out there yeah um it's about reaching out uh, and to look for that motivation inspiration yeah and as much as you know inspiration and motivation comes from within in you mm. but also externally because we are all you know and, and the reason why we you know enter into this sector is because we're also quite empath uh, empathic mm-hmm. uh, people mm-hmm. um, because we actually do make those connections with you know other people and how we grow and you know reaching out to these people are really really important in terms of our growth as well mm-hmm. um, and you know just looking back in terms of your professional journey and mm-hmm. you've got lots of interests uh, in terms of you know, outdoor education that you mentioned mm-hmm. um, you know and now you're a, a teacher you know talking about you know the benefits of you know um the early um you know uh the you know play-based um early intervention um as well but you know what's your focus next in terms of growth and what it is that you know that you want to learn more yeah um well so i guess i want to use what i've already learned and what my focuses and passions have been over the last few years which has been um around risky play and um you know children learning and spending time in nature um and kind of you know obviously continue that journey but um also i've done a bit of work with our reconciliation Mm. uh, action officer over the last couple of years and she's really led um our wrap uh, and that educators recently moved to a new role at a kinder down the road so i'm stepping up and taking over as the um the wrap officer which and i'm we'll very have, excited about yeah, yeah. we'll have rosanna on our next oh, okay, as well, so that's yeah, exciting yeah. yes Rosie's great yes um so i'm very nervous about yeah. that that's a tough act to follow yes. she's incredible Big what she did is yeah yeah amazing yeah. amazing yes. um i think we have one of the only um early childhood wraps published 
in the area. Wow. Mm, yeah. Very exciting. Yeah, very yeah. exciting. So Rosie's really leading um, yes. that. So I'm very, very excited to mm-hmm. take that on. Um, and I'll obviously, I'm, we'll keep in touch with Rosie so we can work together. And that's another, mm. you know, great way to network. Yes. Rosanna's at a kinder just down the road from us. So, yes. you know, that's a good, great connection that we now have and we can collaborate on. Yeah. I'm sure she'll be working a lot on the wrap at that centre. So we can collaborate on that. Yeah. Um, but I did work very closely with her mm. on the wrap um, the last few years while she was doing that. So I feel I feel ready for that challenge. Um, but it's just so important and so challenging and you're going to um, – I think I'll definitely make a lot of mistakes. Mm. Um, but that is fine. That's, that's, how, oh, that's definitely. how we learn and grow. Yes. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that learning journey. Yeah. Um, embedding Indigenous perspectives in the curriculum is something I've been, I think – getting better at over the last few Mm. years and just learning so much about Mm. and it's really challenging Mm. um and i guess the next step is to Mm. um, try and engage some local um indigenous people or an organization Mm. um to work with because it's you know um how can you embed indigenous perspectives without um without engaging the indigenous community Mm. so um yeah hopefully i mean there's a great um aboriginal art gallery right here um near our service um so yeah just making those connections slowly um and yeah that's the next big step for me and i think that will tie in as well really well with um the um you know my learning journey through outdoor play and nature um we've always that's always been um the easiest way i've found to have those um important conversations with children about what it means to be on Aboriginal land is when we're, we're you know, having time in, you know, that mm. uninterrupted play in nature. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's next. And it's good. I think, again, back to your last question, that's probably another one of the biggest ways that you can stay motivated is find something within early childhood that you really care about. Find an area, whether it's art or, yep. you know, outdoor play, risky play, um, you know, embedding Aboriginal perspectives, um, just find something that you really care about and Mm. you know you don't have to just do that of course Mm. but you'll find that it all threads through really well when you have you know when you have a passion and a focus and definitely i definitely watched that with rosanna Mm. when she took on um the her journey with the rap um because rosanna grew up it didn't grow up in australia so it was a huge um huge learning journey for her um and so just watching her Mm. you know gain all this knowledge and then everything she did from there on just she she weaved this you know passion for indigenous perspectives through you know every every lesson and Mm. um every experience that she um she created so yeah it was that's such a important way to stay motivated definitely yeah and yeah. i always say if you can't find it within the center that you're at in mm. terms of you know your interests or areas that you want to grow look outside yeah you know outside the center you know connect through facebook connect through you know um, other centers reach out to other centers mm-hmm. say hi you know i am a teacher i'm a kind teacher just down the road you know can i come and you know have a chat with you in terms of my ideas my pedagogy mm-hmm. um you know i think that's great way to learn because it's it should be fluid it shouldn't be stagnant Mm -hmm. your you know your pedagogy and the way how you do things you know and it's so we're not textbook Mm. essentially Mm -hmm. because um you know there's so much of different areas that we can focus on and every year it's a different direction that we take the children with Um, and then every year you learn a different pathway different steps and different journey Um, and that's one thing that's so exciting about Mm -hmm. our sector because um 
you know, there's so much of fluidity in uh, in what we do, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we can go on and on, but mm-hmm. we're pretty much towards the end of the podcast. One last thing, mm-hmm. just to finish off, one advice that you would tell to your beginning teacher self, what would that be? Um, I think it would just be to to slow down and to trust that it is a journey. Because when you start out as a teacher, you look at experienced teachers, especially teachers that you admire, and you think that you're never, you'll never get mm. to that stage. How mm. can they have that conversation so easily? Mm. How can they, you know, um, put that behavior guidance strategy in place, you know, so seemingly effortlessly? Um, it just feels like you're you you're right at the beginning and. Mm that that seems so so far away um but it is a journey and it's a really really um worthwhile journey and it's really fulfilling um but it will it'll get easier and you will probably go home or i know i did um thinking about something you said to a parent or you know that you should have said differently or you know thinking about how you could have handled a situation and and just feeling like you'll never kind of get to a point Mm. where it becomes um I mean, it's never easy, but where it becomes a bit more natural, I suppose. And you do. You just, um, you know, don't don't dwell on the mistakes. They're really, really important. Um, and you'll you'll probably appreciate the mistakes that you made eventually. Mm. Uh, but just trust that it is a journey, and have good people around you, and be open to feedback. Mm. Um, I think all of those things were things that felt like huge, huge challenges that I'd never never really get across and now you know i can go home and not not worry about things that i said or let things go um i you know i i'm okay when admitting when i make a mistake Mm. um those kinds of things are really important but Mm. you just need to you know you need to go through the journey to get there but you you will yeah yeah and i think one thing that's fantastic about you and i hope that people who are listening take away is that you know vulnerability is okay Mm. it's okay to be open and kind of say actually i'm struggling Mm -hmm. i need help in this I want to learn from you. I want to grow. And I think that's the hardest thing Mm -hmm. in our sector because, you know, I need to be a certain way. I need to have this image of a teacher and I need to achieve that. Whereas it doesn't have to be. You can be that weird, wacky, Mm -hmm. you know, teacher and, you know, and you can be amazing because you are connecting with the children. You're, you know, making meaningful, you know, connections with the children Mm. and, you know, and that you are, you know, learning through your journey and, you know, you're inspiring other people. You're motivating yourself and motivating others. And I think that's the most important thing that we need to take on as a teacher, essentially. You need to adapt your teaching style, I suppose, to your personality and know who, you know, who you are. You don't need to be like another teacher. You need to be like yourself. and you definitely need to be vulnerable and open to making mistakes and admitting that you've made mistakes because it's it's so important and it just helps everybody who's working with you and um, your co-educators to be able to do that too if you can you know if you can be open and honest and say oh I shouldn't have I should I'm going to try that a different way that time that didn't work or I really you know made a mistake yeah other people will then be open to that too and everyone will feel a lot more honest and connected yeah yeah Yeah. and i think that's also really important that you know looking at you know from a children's perspective watching you modeling that you know that journey of mistakes that Mm. failure is okay yeah it's this is a safe space to fail and that this is a safe place to try again Mm. and revisit that and re you know reevaluate and reflect on that and i think that's really really important because often you know for children 
home, and also this is also for families that you know、um, we put a facade on, we put a yes, mask on, and、yeah. really really hard moments in front of children that、mm-hmm. everything is okay,、yeah. you know that is all butterflies and rainbows. Yeah, yeah. When actually I'm having a shitty day, yeah, and yeah. this is a conversation I had with my four year old as well、mm. that you know,、uh, you know adults don't cry.、Mm. Why do you cry?、Mm. Actually, I do cry because、yeah. I've got the same emotions that you have,、yeah. and it's okay to yeah, cry in front、yeah. of people. It's okay to say that I'm having a really hard day,、mm-hmm. and that I'm not gonna do anything and stay on the couch、yeah. all day. Yeah,、um, yeah. they and, need and to, yeah, yeah, to understand that. Yeah, yeah. they love it when I say that I made a mistake. <laughs> I make a point of saying it really clearly.、Yeah. If I do, you know, if I bump into someone or I just you, whatever it might be,、um, oh, I. I made a mistake. I,、yeah. you know, I, I would do that today. They're like, "Oh, she made a mistake." <laughs>、yeah. oh, did you hear that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah.、Um, they and it, I guess it shows that maybe they don't hear that enough、mm. because it's usually a big novelty. But I usually use that as、yeah. an opportunity to be like, "Yeah, everyone makes mistakes. They're so yes. important. We,、yes. we, that's how we learn." Yeah, yeah. and it's important for them、yeah. to, you know, get used to that language、mm. as well. I made a mistake. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's okay. Yeah, you know, because this is just the journey that we all have to take through, and、yeah. we. Cannot grow from the mistakes that we take、yeah. that we make. Yeah, yeah. So, I we had this situation last year in the three-year-old group with your daughter,、um, where I said it a few times in a row and noticed their reaction to it. And then、um, a few of the parents of the children in my group came and said they keep just talking about their mistakes, <laughs> but how they're learning yes, from them. Oh, it's okay.、Right. I made a mistake, but that's I'm learning from that. Yeah. How amazing is it that、yeah. they're using、yeah. that language? Yeah. yeah. And and that goes into you know emotional maturity、mm-hmm. and you know all that developmental、um, social skills that、yeah. we actually. You know, we'll learn、uh, down、yeah. the track.、Yeah. Um, I am so sad that this is the end、I'm、because、so、this is so fantastic.、Yeah. And you know, thank you. We definitely have to do a part、mm. two、yeah. because there's so many other conversations that you know I've jot down that you know was hoping to touch base on, but、yeah. we haven't.、Um, but thank you, and I hope that you know that you continue to grow and you continue to inspire other people because you are an inspiration to me.、Um, you know, I am so comfortable with having difficult conversations with you and being open and vulnerable because yeah,、um, it goes both ways. And I think that really says a lot. In terms of that professional,、mm. you know,、um, relationships that we have, that、yeah. you know,、um, we're there backing out each other, and even though that we have a really hard time,、mm-hmm. we're right there together,、yeah. and I think that's really important. Yeah, so do I. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Victoria. This is fun. <laughs>